You know what else is really fun to do together and not alone? Uh, tearing things to pieces over in the big building over here. All right? Some of you guys or ladies can't build anything, but who here likes to tear things apart? Yeah, come on. Raise your hand. Every guy in here, raise your hand. Stop it. We have sledgehammers, sawzaws, all kinds of things. We're going to be, we, last week we started ripping that building, the inside, gutting the inside of the building. Well, this week, Monday and Tuesday, we're going to try to finish it off. If we finish this off, it saves us like $10,000, okay? Plus, we get to rip things to pieces. So if you want to show up tomorrow night at 6.15, and then Tuesday night at 6.15, we'll have dinner there. And, you know, just come out for as long as you can. You can stay as long as you'd like. It's just a time, but make sure that what you wear can almost get ruined, all right? Because this is just nasty stuff, 60 years of nastiness in there. We're ripping it all down. It's looking really good. Over the next month or so, the electric will be pretty much done. The poles will be down. All the new electric will be in the building. Uh, a roof will be on that building. A new roof's going on. Uh, the HVAC will be going in, and a new concrete floor will be going down. That's all going to happen. It's happening now, but it'll all be finished in sometime in March. So we're moving right along, but we don't want to spend money on things that we can do ourselves, especially things we like to do, which is tear things up. All right? So you don't want to do that alone. We want to spend some time together. Monday night, I'll be there. Come and get to know your pastor better in a more relaxed format. Okay? All right? Sounds good. And women, you're allowed to come as well, all right? You, I, I know you, you need to unleash some of your frustration, you know, so come on out and let's tear some things together um, and have a good time. Now, this is the last sermon in this series uh, on, on the promises of God, resting in the promises of God. And I'll tell you, I'm a little bit sad because I know, like a lot of you, this has been very, very meaningful to me. And last week, we, we started part one, and this week, we're going to follow up with Joshua and the children of Israel as they make their way, they made their way to the Jordan River for their time of crossing. They were going to cross the Jordan and fulfill God's promise in their lives. So here we find Joshua and the children of Israel coming to this point. Now, continuing in Joshua chapter 3, the Bible gives us three necessary steps for seeing God's promises fulfilled in our lives. Three necessary steps for seeing God's promises come to pass in each one of our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, these three necessary steps. As Joshua prepares the children of Israel for this miraculous crossing, we read in Joshua chapter 3 in verse 5, we read this, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. First, Joshua wants to make sure that the people have a pure heart, that their hearts are pure before God. He says, consecrate yourselves. God's going to do some amazing things, but he says, first, we need to consecrate ourselves. He wants, he's saying to them, you need to make sure that your heart is pure. And he says, listen, just picture this in your mind. Going up to the river, you know, you're going to be crossing the Jordan. It's, in, it's at flood stage. We talked about that last week, what that looked like, the, the, the fear that must be in people's lives. And he says, consecrate yourselves. If you need to repent, you can imagine what he's saying. If you need to repent, now's the time, right? You need to get right with God. Now's the time. And now is, is the best time for us also to apply this passage to our lives. Never better, better time than now to apply scripture to our lives. That's what I want to do. Before we move on, I want to ask you to, I want you to ask yourself, is there anything in my life 
that I need to let go of, that I need to, to lay down, that I need to, to get right with God on in my life before I can see God's promises come to fulfillment? Is there anything in your life? I want you to think about that. Just bow your heads for just a second. Just close your eyes and bow your heads and spend some time with God. Is there anything that you're holding on to or holding, hold, it's holding you back from receiving God's promises? I want to give you a time right now, right now in the very beginning to get yourself right with God. What do you need to leave behind? Where, where in your life do you need to ask God for forgiveness? Think about those things. What do I need to leave behind? Where in my life do I need to ask God for forgiveness? I just want to pause for a minute and give you a chance to talk to God. So talk to him. In the quietness of this time, just talk to God. Talk to him about those things that you really do need to let go of, that you need to leave behind, where you need to repent, I guess is the best way to put it. Ask God to forgive you. Let's just spend that time with God. Lord God, we want to make sure that our hearts are right with you even this morning. You don't just call those in the past to have pure hearts before you. You call us as well. And so we ask, dear God, that you'd receive our prayers, that you forgive us, Lord God, for areas of our lives that we've fallen short. We want to receive the promises that you have for us. And so, God, we lay these things at your feet. We lay them at the cross. We want to walk away from those things, Lord, and walk into your presence. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I was wondering as I was writing this, are there things in our lives that were going on in our lives, things that we're doing that are keeping us from receiving God's promises? That's why I stopped right there. Are there things in your life right now that are stopping you? You know, we talk about these promises of God for the last few weeks or five or six, seven, eight weeks, and, and, and we got to ask ourselves some tough questions. If I'm not receiving the promises of God, if my life is not where it should be spiritually, if, if I'm not seeing God's power released in my life, could it be that, that I'm holding on to something? Could it be that there's an area of my life that needs to change, that needs to, that needs to be transformed so I can receive what God has for me? Is there something in my life, in your life? There are promises that often go unfulfilled in our lives because we, are, we don't have the kind of hearts, the pure hearts that we need before the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, there are no promises of God that you can accomplish on your own, in your own power. That's maybe something that you're doing. You're trying to accomplish the things that God has for you in the flesh, in your own power. You're not giving them over to God. You're not saying, God, I want you to be Lord of my life and I want you to move in my life and I want you to overcome those things in my life. I don't think we can expect God to move in miraculous ways in us unless we are 
coming before him with pure hearts. Unless we are coming before God with a heart of repentance, we, we can't expect God to do miraculous things in us unless our hearts are right with him. That's what it boils down to. I know you want God to do incredible things. I know he, you want him to answer that prayer. I know you want him to help you overcome that issue or that, that habit, whatever it is, that sin. But you need to understand that we can't expect miraculous things to happen in our lives if our hearts are not right with God. In the case of the Israelites, and, and, and uh, Joshua is saying that they should consecrate themselves, in the case of the Israelites, that consecration comes in the form of washing their clothes and washing themselves, an outward expression of an inward desire to be holy, to be pure. Consecration means to be set apart as holy, we are to be set apart as holy. I know these aren't things we like to talk about or that we just don't talk about in churches because you don't want to use words like repent and sin and all these kinds of things anymore in the church. We all want to make everyone feel comfortable. But you know what? In feeling comfortable, you're losing something in the church. If we, if we just tiptoe around everything and just say all the right political things and don't want to offend anyone, we're, we're, I, I, that's, that's hurting you, not helping you. If there are areas in your life that you need to change, where you need to repent, where you need to ask for forgiveness, then you need to do that because God wants to work in your life. And some of the times the reason God is not working in your life is because you're holding on to those areas and not giving them over to him and not letting them go. So we need to step back and say, God, I want you to work in my life. I want to see miracles in my life. Our hearts need to be right with him. So the Israelites had to get their hearts right with him. And so they washed their clothes and they washed their bodies. And that was kind of an outward expression of an inward desire to see purity in their lives. For us, it may be a little different. For us, we may need to discipline ourselves. You and I may need to discipline ourselves. Maybe we, when was the last time that, that you fasted and prayed? That you took the time, maybe a 12-hour period of time, sun up to sundown one day, or maybe a week where you fasted and prayed about something that you wanted to see God do in your life, or you wanted, to, how you wanted to see God work in your life, or something you wanted to overcome, or something that you wanted to see happen in someone else's life in a positive way. And so you took the time, the discipline to fast and pray and get your heart right with him and get your spirit right with him. Focusing on behaviors maybe in your life that are not pleasing to God and saying to yourself, how can I, how can I overcome those? So you, you take that time in fasting, you take that time in prayer to say, God, help me overcome some of these issues and some of these situations in my life that are not pleasing to you. We, we could focus on creating new patterns and habits maybe in our lives during that time that would glorify God. What are some new patterns in your life? What are some new habits in your life that you need to start doing that would allow God to be lifted up, that you can lift up God and you can glorify God through your life? Whatever you need to do, one thing is absolutely sure, absolutely sure. It is only when our hearts are right with God. It's only when our hearts and our spirits are right with God that we can expect his promise to find the kind of fulfillment, the lasting fulfillment that we desire. It's only when our hearts are right with him, that our hearts are pure with him, that we will find the lasting fulfillment that God desires in our lives, that we'll see those promises fulfilled. We need to consecrate ourselves. We need to be set apart as holy. We need to see God. We want, if you want to see God work in your life, you need to kind of separate, lay, lay those things aside, get rid of those things. Where are you this morning in your life? Are you walking the fence? 
You, you like kind of dabble in the world a little bit. You know, you keep one foot in the world and you keep one foot in the church. You kind of dabble around. Here, here's the problem with dabbling around in the world. You can't have both. Now, you can come to church, no question about that. You're welcome to come to church. All the dabblers in the world are welcome to Grace Chapel. All right, no question. No questions asked. But the problem is you can, you can, have, you can come to church and honestly, you can be a Christian you can be a believer, but you are not going to experience the power of God in your life. You can't grasp the dynamics of a life-altering faith, and you will never know, you will never know, you will never experience what it is like to stand before a holy God, to stand before your God and hear those precious words, well done, my good and faithful servant, if you're double-minded. You will never experience those things. You can dabble all you want. You can kind of live in both worlds, but you're not going to experience the power of God unleashed in your life if that's the way you're living. That life-altering faith that you see other people have that you don't have, that you really want, that's not going to happen in your life if you're kind of tiptoeing around a little bit here, a little bit there. It's not going to happen. And you're not going to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And not only when in, the, in, the, in, the, in the time to come, in the life to come, but in this life as well. I don't know about you, but I, need, I want to hear in my heart. I want to hear in my heart every day, well done, my good and faithful servant. Every day I want to hear that. I, want, I don't know what it looks like to, to have God see, look at you with a, 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 a eyes of disappointment. I don't ever want to see that in, my, in this life or the next. And I want to know that my Father in heaven is proud of me. I want, to, I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, every day of my life. That's my desire. Do I live up to it all the time? Do I? No, I don't. But that's my desire. That's what, that's what we should desire, that God would, would, would come and speak to us. But if we're double-minded, we're not going to have that in our lives. Your sinful nature, see, the problem is your sinful nature desires. You have two warring natures going on, the sinful nature and the new nature. And the sinful nature desires the things of this world. But here's the problem. Those things don't last, and they will never bring fulfillment in your life. Yes, for a moment, a momentary feeling happy, I guess, whatever you want, however you want to put it, pleasure, whatever, for the moment. But it will never bring the kind of satisfaction that you ultimately are longing for. It won't bring it. It doesn't last and it will not bring fulfillment that will satisfy your new, your new spirit, your, your, your new nature, your soul longs, longs for fulfillment, longs to see God's promises fulfilled in your life, longs to feel content in God's, in God's arms, longs to feel content. Uh, it feels like a, a, really a contentment of heart. That's what you're longing for. All human beings want to feel that contentment, want to feel that joy, want to feel that peace. And that is what God offers. That's what your new nature longs for and reaches out for. Longings that can only be satisfied through obedience, obedience to God and faith in his promises. Do you want that kind of fulfillment? It can only be satisfied as we are obedient to God and we have a desire to fulfill, we have a faith to fulfill the promises of God. If you dabble, I'm telling you, you will never be satisfied. You will be old and you will be miserable. 
And you will look back on your life with regret and wonder why did I never. And here's what some people will do. They shake their fist at God asking God, God, why didn't you do the things you promised to do? How can God do the things he promises to do if he's asking you to do, if he's asking you to be obedient and to take a step of faith and go from here to here and his promised fulfillment is there, but you, don't, you can't hear him because you're dabbling around and listening to what the world has to say. You can't hear God, nor do you make the move in obedience to follow God, to go where he wants you to go. And then you cannot fulfill your promise. And then you're shaking your fist at God because God, why didn't you fulfill your promise? If God says to move from here to here, darn it, you need to go from here to here. Be obedient. That's a little different perspective I get up here. God wants you to be obedient. So you can see things from a different perspective. You ever, you ever, you know, when God puts you through things, God sometimes says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to move from here to here. And you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. But here's what you need to understand. This is what you have to grasp in eternal perspective. Sometimes God calls you to do do things that you don't understand. He says, go from here to here. Here's the amazing thing about going from here to here. You may go halfway up and, real, and, and finally realize God doesn't really want you here, but he wants you to look to the left or the right. But you can't look to the left or the right for what God has for you if you don't get your head above the clouds to see what actually is going on on the left and the right. And you learn so much in, the, in getting there. You learn so much about God getting there. But you finally get your head above the clouds and you can look around and say, oh God, that's where you want me to be. You want me to go to the left or you want me to go to the right. He didn't want you to go here. He used that to draw you above so you can get your head above the clouds to see what he truly has for you in your life. God wants us to be obedient. And we don't always have to understand why. He's not going to answer why all the time. Most of the time, he's not going to answer why. That's, it's, that's why it's called faith. That's why it's called faith. God wants to move in our lives. He wants to move in our lives. We need to have obedience. We need to have obedience in our lives. We need to have our, right, our hearts right with him. So Joshua tells the people, before you can receive the promise, before you can claim the promise, Your heart needs to be right with him. And that leads us right to our second step. And that is, that is having a heart of obedience. That next step is having a heart of obedience, having your heart right with him, being being pure before God and having that heart of obedience. In Joshua chapter three, verses three and four, it says this, giving orders to the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, uh, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. So Joshua tells the fo- the, 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 his followers, he tells the people to follow the priests into the flooded water. Follow them into the flooded water. Now you can imagine... You can imagine what kind of chaos would go on if, if all the people decided, half the people decided, I'm gonna, we're going to figure out our own way to cross. I'm going to have my own ideas about crossing. I'm not going to be obedient to God. I'm not going to be obedient to the leader. I'm just going to come up with my own ideas. I, I think that we should uh, build a bridge. All in favor of building a bridge, raise your hand. Yay, see? We'd be all be in trouble. All you raise your hand with me, we'd be in trouble. Because that's our own idea. I'm going to build a bridge. God says, cross the, walk into the water. Follow the priests into the water. Follow the priests, Levites, into the water. But we say, nah, you know, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Let's build a bridge. That sounds like a smarter idea. Or, or why don't we just make boats? 
crossing. You know, it may push us down a little bit. We'll slam into the bank down there. We'll be safe. Or I have a better idea. Why don't we, why don't we, why don't we over-spiritualize this? Let's do this, okay? Because we don't really want to be obedient to God, so we, 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 cre- we create our own spirituality. I think we should wait. How, I think we should wait on God till the water goes down. Sound good? Let's be like Gideon. Let's lay out a fleece. And we'll wait on God until the water goes down. That's really spiritual. I think we should wait. That, that, that puts in more of a spiritual tone. Let's use Christian jargon or spiritual jargon to be disobedient to God. Let, let's just wait on the Lord. I know he's told us to move. Let's wait on him until the water goes down. That, that, that'd be the best time to cross. You, you can't fulfill in your own power or in your, in your own knowledge. You can't fulfill one promise of God. God says, do it this way. Here's how I want you to do it. Does it make any sense to you? It doesn't really matter. I'm telling you to do it this way because I have a plan in mind. And you say, well, I'm going to try. I, I, my mind can, can see a bridge being built or I can build boats or I can. Listen. But God says, you know what? You can't fulfill one promise by your own knowledge and by your own power. We need to learn. We, we need to learn from the example of the generation, this new generation that was following Joshua, just as they learned from the generation that went before them. Now, you might be thinking, well, Pastor Jeff, that generation died in the desert. Exactly. Exactly. But they learned something. They learned. They learned that obedience, obedience to God is a better alternative than disobedience. That's what they learned. They learned something. Obedience to God is, is a better alternative, is a better option than disobedience. Moses called the people of God in his time to step out and cross and by faith do that, and they refused. Never, they never, they never fulfilled their purpose because of their disobedience and lack of faith. They never were able to cross. They were never able to fulfill what God had for them. Joshua now calls a new generation. And he calls them to step out in faith, and they jumped. They jumped. They took the opportunity. They leaped. This was a younger generation who was born. This generation was born in the wilderness. And they, they were old enough that they could remember their parents. Their parents would tell them stories, I'm sure, of how God delivered them 40 years earlier. But because of their disobedience and their lack of faith, they were never able to cross. They were never able to fulfill their purpose. This new generation would have remembered, remembered what their parents had told them, stories that they had told them. We need to learn in the same way. We need to learn from a generation of people in our lives now who are following God, who are obedient to God and are seeing God's fulfillment of his promises in their lives. We need to, we need to follow, we need to find those people. When you find someone who is obedient to God and and you see God working in their lives in practical ways, in real ways, and you see God's promises being fulfilled in that person, you need to ask yourself, why is that happening? Why is that person seeing God's promises fulfilled in their lives and I'm not? What are some things that I need to do to become more like Christ so that I can see God's promises fulfilled in my life as well? We need to find a generation of people in this time and we need to follow them. We need to follow them because we can see God's promises being delivered in their lives. So as the one generation followed another generation and we follow this generation, we also need to look for people who are following God in obedience and try to become more like them. There are people, the Bible says, Paul said, be like me, be like me as I'm like Christ. There are people like that. 
They're not going to walk around and tell you that. It kind of sounds kind of arrogant, but it wasn't in Paul's case. There are people out there who are living their lives in such a way that they can say, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. We need to follow their example so that we can achieve all that God has for us. We need to learn from their mistakes and their successes and apply those lessons to our lives. There are some people around you who have really made some bad mistakes, but you know what? They have overcome those mistakes and they're living a godly life. You need to follow them. You need to look at their mistakes and you need to look at their successes and you need to apply those mistakes and those successes to your life. Before, I, before I was, we started Grace Chapel, I was a youth pastor and I got saved in a church in New York where I just basically loved the youth pastor. He was, he was the guy who led me to Christ. And that youth pastor told me so many things that I remember to this day. And a lot of times he would say, you know what? Don't do this. I made this mistake. Don't do this. You're going to want to. It's going to look really tempting to do it, but don't do it because ultimately it'll, it'll be a mistake. And there are so many things I just chose not to do, even though I thought to myself, I don't know why he would tell me not to do that. It looks so, it looks like the right thing to do. I avoided so many problems by just being obedient and following someone who was following Christ and had the wisdom and years to lead me in that direction. We need to follow people who have wisdom, who can help us become more like Jesus Christ. So, so Joshua told the priests to go out first and he tells the people to follow. The Israelites didn't stand around and argue with him. This is what's different. They weren't standing around arguing with him, but they had, they had an unquestionable obedience. That's what we need, an unquestionable obedience. Obedience. Where is your heart right now this morning as we talk about this? Do you have a desire to be obedient to God? And if that's the desire, is the desire followed by a heart of obedience? There's a difference. You know, is, is your obedience all built on legalism? You, you grew up in a church where they're really legalistic and you couldn't move, you couldn't breathe, you couldn't go to, couldn't go to the theater. You know what I mean? So you, you, you kind of equated holiness with this legalism. Is that why you're being obedient to God now? Because you kind of have to, you have to, or someone's going to get you. You have this picture of God like this guy in heaven waiting to throw lightning bolts at you as soon as you make a mistake. That's what you were taught. God's going to get you if you don't, you know, God's going to come down in the rain and hell, fire and brimstone on you if you make one mistake. And so that's why you're obedient. That should not be the reason you're obedient. There should be a heart of obedience, a desire for obedience. I serve God. I'll tell you right now, I serve God because I love him. I think about my life, what my life used to be like. I think about what God has done in my life. I serve him because I love him. I live the way I do because I have a passion for Jesus Christ. Passion breeds obedience and obedience breeds passion. It is a desire that I have to be obedient to God. Not like I feel like I have to duck all the time. You know, some people had parents around there. Every time they walk by, they slap them or something. And it's almost like we feel that way about God. Every time we walk, he's going to slap you kind of duck and everything. We don't need to do that. We're joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Follow him, be obedient to him because of what he's done in your life, because you love him. You desire to be like him. Do you want to see God's unlimited power unleashed in your life? Then you need to serve him. You need to love him with unquestionable obedience. Live by faith, by the love that you have in Jesus Christ. Live by faith. Expect God 
God's promises to be fulfilled in your life. Let me say that again. Expect God's promises to be fulfilled in your life. If you're living, if you have a heart right with God and you're living in obedience to God, then you can expect, you have an, have an expectation that God is going to fulfill his promises. Listen, you can know the promises of God and you can believe in God's promises, but, but there's still one thing that you may be lacking. One thing that you may be lacking that leads to our third point. You need to believe that God, listen, you need to believe that God can and wants to fulfill his promises in your life. You need to believe that he can, but that he wants to. He wants to fulfill the promises in your life. You see, I expect God to do in my life what he promised to do. That's not, that's not, that's not stepping over the boundaries or anything that I expect God to do in my Jeff Greer's life. I expect God to do in my life what he promises to do. I expect to see miracles in my life. I expect God. I, I, I want, I expect to see transformed lives, my own life transformed them and your lives transformed. I expect to see God transforming lives. I expect God to fulfill the vision that he has, to see the vision of this church become a reality here and around the world. I expect that. I expect God is going to fulfill the purpose for which he created me. I expect it. I expect God to do miraculous things in my life. I expect to live an abundant life, the abundant life that Jesus Christ said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, have an abundant life. I expect to have an abundant life. Why? Because I trust God, because I have confidence in God. I expect God to do what he promises to do in my life. I just don't want to read about it in other people's lives. I expect it to see it in my own life. Do you expect God to move in your life? I read through the Bible. I love reading the Bible. You know why I love reading the Bible? Obviously, so many reasons. One of the big reasons is I see God doing miraculous things. I, say that, I see a God that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I see a God that says, I can do immeasurably more than all you can ever ask or imagine. I see a God who says, by faith, you can move mountains. Jesus Christ said, I'm going to leave you, but you will do even greater things than I. You've seen me do. Right. Now, can, you don't have to be a Christian for more than two days okay, to think in your mind, what are some of the things that Jesus did? He's not playing around. He's stating a fact. I, you can do even greater things than you have seen me do. I expect God to do great things in my life. Our problem is sometimes we don't expect God to do those things in our lives. We don't expect God to move in the same way. We don't expect it. Do you expect God to answer your prayers? Do you have expectation that God is going to answer your prayer? Do you expect him to fulfill the purpose for which he created you? My friends, true faith believes God's promises and trusts him for their fulfillment. That is true faith. You believe in God's promises and you trust him for their fulfillment. You are expecting it to happen in your life. You're waiting on God to bring those things to you. If Joshua and the people of God did not expect God to fulfill his promises, listen to me, they would have done the exact same thing as the last generation, which is turn tail and go back into the desert and die there. If they did not expect God to follow through with what he promised to do. We need to follow their example. 
We need to follow their example. You don't want to die in mediocrity, let me tell you that. You don't want to die with regret in your life. You don't want to be an old man or an old woman saying woulda, shoulda, coulda. That's the problem. You don't want to follow the first generation. You want to follow the second generation, those who were told by Joshua to cross, and they said, okay, first one in, the last one in is a rotten egg. You know what I'm saying? They moved forward. That's what we need to be like. We need to follow this generation. We need to follow the generation that said, I'm going to cross. I'm not going to die in the desert of mediocrity in my life. I'm not going to be like my parents who had the promise right at their fingertips, who could smell it and taste it and decided that fear was going to dominate their lives instead and they never got to fulfill the promises of God. Instead, we need to realize, we need to realize that God can and will work through us. These people were in a position where they could trust God like they never had before. They realized instead of, instead of backing off and going the other direction, that they were in a position where they can trust God, where they could God, see God do things that they had never seen before. They were about to cross a raging river. Listen to this, okay? They were about to cross this raging river, but more than that, they also, once they got to the other side, knew in their minds and their hearts they were going to be facing the enemy that made their parents' hearts melt with fear. They didn't get, a, they didn't get to scoot around this. It was the same promise with the same struggles as their parents. Remember, the, remember we look like grasshoppers, we feel like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them? Same people, same Canaanites. Same Hittites, same, they're all there waiting for them. And they weren't going, oh, I can't wait till you get across the river. This is going to be so much fun. We could all play together. Let's just share all the land and all the milk and honey. Let's just come on across. No, they knew what was going to happen when they got across. They understood what was going to happen when they were there. These were the same people, the same enemy that made their parents' hearts melt. Before they walked in, they knew they needed God to deliver them in their present circumstances. But they also knew that they needed God to protect them in the future. And that's the way I think we should be living every single day of our lives, just like that. God, I need you now, and I need you in the future. Each day we stand up for God is an opportunity for us to trust him more. We should never find, listen, we should never find ourselves, we should never find ourselves, never, in our, in our, in our circumstances, never, too, too far away from, from dependence on God's love, too far away from depending on God to help us. We should never, we should never find ourselves in our present circumstances. We should never find ourselves too far from the place where dependence on God is unnecessary. And some of us are there. You know, we, we're living our life right now and God's only necessary when you want to pull him out of your little God box. Okay, God, can you come out? I need you. Here, here's the thing when you, when you do that. God doesn't belong in a box. You don't pull God off the shelf when you dust him off when you need him. God is a big God. That's how we have to think about our God. He's a big God. And we should never, never go too long with, with the thought process that we are not dependent on Him, that dependence on God is not necessary. We need to always remember, always keep in our minds that the same God who delivered the Israelites, crossing the, crossing the Red Sea, crossing the Jordan River, fighting the enemies, 
You need to remember all the stories of Joshua. That same God is the God who can deliver you. That same God is the God who can save you. That's the same God. He can deliver us from our fears, okay? He can deliver you from your fears. He can deliver you from your addictions. He can deliver you from your past. He can deliver you from your insecurities and your sinful behavior. That's the same God. Our God is a deliverer. He was a deliverer then. He's a deliverer now. No matter what you're going through, our God can deliver you. He will come through. He has promised to come through. Some of you, here's a problem for some of you. You've been coming through this whole series and you're not claiming the promises of God. And I'll tell you why. Because you don't feel worthy. You don't feel worthy to claim them. Now, yes, we have to be holy. Yes, we have to be set apart. Yes, we have to be pure. Yes, we have to be obedient. But I'll tell you something. I want to balance this out now. I'm going to tell you right now. Some of you are not claiming the promises of God because you don't feel worthy. You don't feel, you feel like you're the only one sitting here around a bunch of other holy people. Right? Everyone else is holy except for you. You're sitting there and you don't, you don't, have, you don't feel worthy. You can't seem to overcome that sin in your life. You can't seem to overcome that habit. You can't seem to, to let go of that past event. You can't seem to forgive that person. And so you say, you know what? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to receive God's blessing. I'm not worthy to receive God's promises. Listen to me. God offers promises to the imperfect. God's promises are offered to the imperfect, to those who fall but continue to move forward, to those who love God and want to serve God and want to be obedient to God. But it's, it's more in the trying. It's more in the trying than anything else. God wants to give his promises, offers his promises to those who are battling, battling, battling. Not skip. Oh, this is no big deal. Battling through their issues. The promises belong to those who are battling through their issues, battling every single day through their issues. It's not about perfection. We already have perfection in Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian and you're standing with God, you're perfect right now. You can be no more perfect than you are right now. Perfection isn't the issue. Desire is the issue. You have to understand it's desire that is the issue, a desire to try to be holy, a desire to try to be pure, a desire to try to do those things. It's a desire to move forward when, 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 you're, when you feel like you're falling, when all in life is falling around you, to move forward when you fail or fall, the desire to love and serve God, the desire. Do you always do it? Can you always follow through? Are you perfect? Absolutely not. If God's promises were only offered to people who never made mistakes, I don't really see many of them being fulfilled. Do you? Let me make a point here for all those around you who think that you're not worthy to receive God's promises. You're just not in the same par as everybody else. Would all the perfect people, all those who have never sinned, please stand up? No one? Now, if I said, would all the sinners and people who don't feel like they're worthy and everybody's running frustrated about their own spiritual lives, people who seem to fall all the time and can't overcome their addictions and can't overcome their sins and can't overcome their habits. If I asked all you to stand up, the whole, the whole room would stand up. You are, you are not alone here, okay? Don't put yourself on a little island thinking you're the only person here who feels unworthy that you're not receiving God's promises. It isn't about being worthy to receive God's promises. He is worthy and I am I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb and when God 
sees me, he sees Jesus Christ standing right in front of me. I am worthy because of him. Now it's about desire. It's about a desire to be more like him. You are not going to be perfect. This, you're a work in progress. You're working out your faith with fear and trembling, the Bible says. That is God's desire, that we continue, once we find perfection in Christ, to work out our faith, to have the desire to be like him. It should be a desire. And if you have a desire in your heart, if you want to be more like Christ and that's your desire, but you're constantly pulled back, God can still work through you. God works, my friends, through fallen sinners. He's not looking for for perfection. He's looking for desire. Because none of you outside of Christ will ever be perfect. None of you outside of Christ will ever stop making those mistakes or whatever else. We need to accept God, and he, cause he accepts us. You know, he, he believes in you more than you believe in him. And he's going to use you. And he's going to transform you. And he's going to help you overcome all those things in time. So don't you sit around thinking, I'm not worthy to receive his promises. I'm not even going to pray for him. Pray for them. Trust him. Trust him. Claim his promises, and you will not be disappointed. You will never be disappointed. What promises do you need to claim this morning in your life? What are they? As we close out this series, what are those promises in your life? There are promises written all over the floor out here. There are promises that are going to be up here on the screen in a moment. There are promises that are on the walls in here. There are promises all over. Some of the promises you can stand on. Some of them you can lean on. Some of them you can kneel down on. Others you can look up to and pray and ask God to use in your life. But what promises do you need to claim this morning? If you need to write some down, it's still open. There's markers out there. Grab a marker and write your promise down and then stand on that promise. As we close out this service, I don't want you leaving here thinking that the promises of God are not for me. Great series, Pastor. Really enjoyed it. But you know what? I'm just not in a place where I can receive the promises of God. That's not, that's not true. That's a lie. That's, not, that's a lie. God is, God's promises for each one of us, those who desire to be more like him. So I want you to bow your heads with me.